Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we're going to worry about ourselves as we seek to understand the different characteristics of codependency. Please don't immediately identify with or reject this behavior before we dive in and dig deeper. This is not a one-size-fits-all terminology, nor is it a terminal practice. Instead, it's a deeply rooted compulsive behavior that more than 90% of Americans display during their lifetimes. Are they all codependent? No. But could they benefit from becoming aware of these patterns and characteristics in an attempt to redirect their journey in a more positive direction? Yes. I remember the first time I heard the term codependent, or rather, heard and rejected the term. Being fiercely independent, at least with some aspects of my life, all I could hear was the word dependent. And I thought, that couldn't be me. So, like a Roomba, I hit wall after wall, trying to redirect my course only to hit another wall. It wasn't until the second therapist suggested I read Melody Beatty's book, Codependent No More, that I gave in. I do believe timing is everything, and if I had read those words earlier before I was ready to identify my own role, then they wouldn't have landed quite the same way. But from the first chapter... I knew she was talking to me. It was like looking in a mirror as hard as the reflection was to see. There she and her screwed up thinking were looking back at me saying, finally, now let's get our act together. Dr. Shauna Freshwater kicks us off with codependency traits. What, how, when are these traits formed? Found at spaciousTherapy.com. Codependency is a group of personality traits or personality characteristics. They're cognitive, emotional, and behavioral patterns that affect the individual's ability to have a healthy, mutually satisfying relationship with oneself and with others. Codependency is also known as relationship addiction because people with codependency characteristics often form or maintain unhealthy relationships. These unhealthy relationships are often one-sided, emotionally destructive, and sometimes physically or psychologically abusive. There are many characteristics and signs and symptoms of codependency. Deciding whether you're codependent or not is not about how many of these traits you have, but more about whether they're causing you distress and interfering with your physical and emotional health, peace of mind, and relationship with yourself and other relationships. It would be hard to find an exhaustive list. And as a reminder, you don't have to identify with every characteristic or pattern that you're going to hear on this show. I just want to bring it to the forefront. So here are a list of some characteristics of codependency. Hyper aware of other people's problems and needs in the form of caretaking, control, advice giving, and over-worrying about others. Demanding, controlling, and perfectionistic. You want things to be done a certain way and may resort to telling others what to do and how to do it. 
hypercritical of others because they often don't live up to your high expectations. Your high expectations also make it hard for you to ask for or accept help from others. Stressed out or anxious when things don't go exactly and perfectly as planned. Hyper-focused on predictability, structure, and certainty. Things you probably didn't have in your childhood home. Self-critical, unrealistic expectations for yourself. Self-talk is often harsh about your imperfections and mistakes. Your self-criticism is a result of your low self-esteem and the harsh criticism you received from others during childhood. You feel responsible for everything and everyone, even other people's happiness, but deny your own happiness and needs. People pleaser. You're afraid to upset or disappoint others, but this can lead to overextending yourself and exhaustion. Dependable and responsible. People can always count on you to be reliable. You feel guilt if you don't follow through, even if you're sick in bed. Boundary issues. You have trouble with speaking up for yourself and saying no. Sometimes you allow people to mistreat or take advantage of your kindness because you don't want to hurt their feelings, let them down, or create a conflict. Ignore your own feelings and needs, often suppressing them, denying them, avoiding them, or numbing them. These occur at the conscious level. They look like self-defeating behaviors. In addition to denying your feelings and needs, you may have a difficult time seeing how unmanageable or unhappy your life is. This is a form of subconscious defense, repression, disassociative amnesia. Your happiness is dependent upon what other people are feeling or doing. For example, if your partner is in a good mood, you can relax a little bit. However, if your partner is angry, you likely feel anxious. You have a hard time separating yourselves from other people's feelings, needs, and experiences. You define yourself in relation to others, but lack a strong sense of self, knowing who you are, what you believe, want, and like. Emotional pain. For some individuals, the pain is close to the surface, such as shame. And for others, the pain is buried in the subconscious, like anger or rage. Guilty and ashamed. Guilt and shame are the roots of low self-worth and low self-esteem. You probably feel there's something wrong with you. Perhaps someone told you this directly, or you may have come to this conclusion based on how you've been treated yet you minimize the problems or sensitivities. Martyr or saint or savior, taking care of everyone else, giving without receiving, and then feeling angry, resentful, and taken advantage of by others. Passive-aggressive, sometimes you feel good, needed, and worthwhile, and other times you feel angry and resentful, and you complain about having to do everything but you still continue the pattern of people-pleasing. Reactive. Anger and resentments build up over time, causing you to explode over trivial matters. Then you feel shame and guilt, and then may overcompensate as Pollyanna do-good. Overwork and overschedule yourself as ways to prove your self-worth and to distract yourself from low self-esteem or other painful feelings. 
intimacy, open communication, and trust are difficult because you didn't have role models for healthy relationships in childhood. And in adulthood, you've probably been betrayed in your relationships, but stayed anyway. Afraid of anger, criticism, rejection, and failure, you play it safe or become invisible with your own needs. Minimizing problems, minimizing others' behavior, and minimizing one's own needs. You probably feel on edge or episodes of anxiety and depression. If you don't have a diagnostic clinical level of anxiety or depression or generalized anxiety disorder, then you feel tense, anxious, or stressed frequently. Or you may feel like you're having a nervous breakdown. You probably have ongoing or reoccurring or episodic physical problems manifesting from stress. Have you identified with some or all of codependency signs and symptoms on this list? Codependency can be difficult to accept because it has received such a negative stigma by the public. Many codependents feel ashamed, blamed, and like they've done something wrong to cause all these traits. So I encourage you to understand two important basic points about codependency. You're not responsible for what occurred in your childhood. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. And number two, you're an adult now. And the most important relationship you will ever have is the one that you have with yourself. During infancy and through childhood and adolescence is when personality is forming. The core of personality is formed by age five, and the years that follow are just add-on personality characteristics or traits. Codependency developed during those important formative years as a way to cope with trauma of any kind. Many codependents grew up in a family with mental illness, family of addiction, family system dysfunction, or other problems. Other individuals with codependency traits appear on the surface level to have seemingly normal childhoods. But codependent traits and behavioral patterns were passed down unknowingly by primary caregivers who were codependents. Other individuals with codependency traits have buried so deeply the wounding or painful memories of childhood that it's like amnesia and therefore stored in the subconscious. Codependency amnesia can and often happens when there were any of the following. Emotional neglect. Primary caregivers were emotionally distant, didn't meet your emotional needs. Primary caregivers were inconsistent in providing nurturing or love. There was an emotional or verbal abuse, like threats, name-calling, the silent treatment, and this was minimized. Physical abuse of any kind, slapping, scratching, hair-pulling, spanking, that was minimized. Primary caregivers will deny that their behavior was harmful, claim that it was not abuse because it didn't leave a mark on the child. Primary caregivers will say things like, You had a roof over your head. We fed and clothed you. You don't have anything to complain about. Codependent traits are hallmark for relationship problems of all kinds. The pain of being abused, lied to, cheated on, neglected, ignored, cursed at, rejected, made to feel invisible or invalidated has never healed. 
Codependency traits represent one's difficulties in loving, accepting, trusting, and being true to self. Codependents carry shame, guilt, and feelings of inadequacy, which lead to constantly trying to please others, prove their worth, and seek external validation at great cost, but little reward. Codependents are focused outward on trying to please, help, fix, wrap up in an attempt to control other people and situations. Codependents base happiness and feelings on what other people are doing rather than the internal feelings and values they have. Codependents don't know how to be their true self because they never really learned. They never learned truly what they want or how to be happy with themselves. But it's not your fault. You didn't cause it. You became codependent as a way to adapt to an unhealthy childhood. Your primary caregivers were not healthy, so your codependent traits developed as a survival mechanism. As an adult, however, codependency traits cause you problems and get in the way of you having a happy, healthy relationship with yourself and others. So although you did not cause the origin of infant, child, adolescent survival adaptations to the family environment, you are the only one who can change your codependent characteristics now. You're now responsible to heal, nurture, and take care of your inner wounded child and yourself. Codependency traits represent one's difficulties in loving, accepting, trusting, and being true to yourself. I empathize that it can be difficult to see yourself in the list of codependent traits. However, awareness and acceptance are always the first steps to change. You know, I think it's so helpful to understand how these patterns manifest in our own thinking. It can be as slight as the glass half empty or half full situation. You may think you're helping, yet the other person sees it as controlling. So who's right? Well, I would say if you're attempting to help another person, yet they see it as controlling, then they're right. It's happening to them, not to you. That's where it's hard to see the fine line when your thinking is a bit skewed. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. I was volunteering in a rehab facility for women. It was a Monday night in January, and I was conducting a support group. Our topic that night was about codependency. As the women were filing into the room, one plops down on the couch next to me, clearly agitated. She was mumbling to herself, and I asked her what was up. She said, oh, I wish I could use the phone to call home and tell him to turn up the heat because it's going to get cold tonight. Hmm. Uh, I said, girl, you are in the right place. Don't you think when it gets colder, he will know to turn up the heat? And she said, well, yeah, but bingo. Jordan Master Domenico spells it out with 17 characteristics of a codependent person. This was found at mentalhealthmatch.com. Codependency is a dysfunctional behavior pattern that leads to feelings of low self-esteem, anxiety, and depression. It's characterized by the need to control or be controlled by another person in order to feel secure. In codependent relationships, both people are dependent on the other for their emotional needs, and neither one feels complete without the other. 
While codependency can manifest in any type of relationship, it's most often seen in relationships with a loved one, such as a romantic partner or family member. But here are some signs, again, not an exhaustive list, that a codependent person may exhibit. Struggling with control. One of the primary ways in which codependents struggle is with issues of control. They may find themselves trying to control their partner's behavior or their environment in general. This is often driven by fear and insecurity, as they may feel that if they don't maintain control, something bad will happen. Difficulty saying no. Codependents often struggle with setting boundaries and saying no when they need to. They may find themselves saying yes when they really want to say no, or feeling guilty for not doing something that someone else wants them to do. Fear of abandonment or rejection. Fear of abandonment or rejection is a common symptom of codependency. Codependents may find themselves clinging to relationships out of fear that their partner may leave them if they don't do what they want or say yes to everything they ask. This can lead to low self-esteem and a lack of trust in relationships. Overly invested in the happiness of others. Codependents tend to be overly invested in the happiness of those close to them. This often stems from their fear of abandonment and rejection. They may go out of their way to do things for their partner in order to keep them happy and secure in the relationship. This can lead to neglecting their own needs and desires in order to please others. Low self-esteem and poor self-image. These are common signs of codependency. Codependents may have difficulty believing they're good enough or worthy of love and respect, which can lead to feelings of inadequacy and self-doubt. This can manifest in avoiding new challenges or opportunities out of fear of failure. Belief that others cannot survive without them. Codependents often have the belief that if they were not around, the people close to them would not be able to survive. This can lead to feelings of guilt and responsibility for others' actions, as well as an inability to separate from them emotionally. Codependents put others before themselves. Codependents often put the needs of others before their own, which can lead to a lack of self-care and even neglecting their own needs. They may find themselves feeling guilty for taking time for themselves or even asking for help. This often is due to a fear of being rejected or seen as selfish. Codependents have a need to be needed. They often have a strong need to be needed by others. They may find themselves sacrificing their own wants and needs in order to fulfill the need of those close to them. This can lead to feelings of resentment or even a sense that they're not appreciated. Codependents feel responsible for the actions of others. They may find themselves trying to fix other people's problems or taking blame for things that were not their fault. This is often due to their need for control and the desire to be needed. Difficulty expressing emotions and needs. They may find themselves going along with what other people want instead of speaking up for themselves. This is often due to the fear of rejection or abandonment as well as low self-esteem. Poor communication skills. 
Codependents often struggle with communication skills as they may have difficulty expressing their needs or feelings. This can lead to misunderstandings with those close to them as well as the inability to resolve conflict in a healthy manner. This can cause frustration and resentment within relationships. Compulsive caretaking and rescuing behaviors. Codependents may find themselves engaging in compulsive caretaking and rescuing behaviors in order to feel needed by another person. This can include things like trying to fix someone else's problems or making excuses for their bad behavior instead of holding them accountable. Having a fear of intimacy. Codependents often struggle with intimacy due to fear of abandonment or rejection. They may find themselves avoiding physical or emotional closeness with another person out of fear that they may be hurt if they open up too much. This can lead to difficulty in forming meaningful relationships with others. An unhealthy attachment to people and relationships. They may put all their energy into one relationship instead of investing in other areas like work or hobbies. This can lead to an unhealthy dependence on another person and difficulty setting healthy boundaries. Codependents may be codependent in other areas of their life, not just relationships. It can manifest in patterns of enabling, caretaking, and sacrificing one's own needs for the sake of others. Inability to identify feelings. One of the major signs of a person being codependent is their inability to identify their own feelings. This often leads to difficulty in expressing emotions and making decisions based on personal needs and wants. This can result in a constant focus on others and neglects of one's own emotional well-being. Often feeling trapped. This can be due to a fear of change or a fear of abandonment. This feeling of being stuck can lead to difficulty leaving unhealthy relationships or situations or leading to a cycle of codependency. Once I accepted that my thinking might be a touch out of alignment, I wanted to dive in and dig deeper. My therapist suggested a support group for women dealing with codependency called Codependence Anonymous, or CODA. I was terrified to go and air my dirty and messed up laundry, but I tried it. It's a 12-step program that follows the typical guidelines around anonymity and no crosstalk. Not receiving advice or feedback can feel foreign to a person used to giving it, but I hung in there. They end with the mantra, keep coming back, it works if you work it and you're worth it. It's true. That program gave me the foundation for Women Connect, my own women's support group centered around encouragement. If you're interested in connecting with a group in your area, visit CODA.org. Here are the official patterns and characteristics of codependence found at CODA.org. Again, that's CODA.org. Remember, you don't have to connect or identify with all the characteristics, nor do you have to label yourself as a codependent. But it's important to understand where you're struggling with codependent behavior. So, some of you might have denial patterns. That may look like 
having difficulty identifying what you're feeling, minimize, alter, or deny how you truly feel. Perceive yourself as completely unselfish and dedicated to the well-being of others. Lack empathy for the feelings and needs of others. Label others with their negative traits. Think you can take care of yourself without any help from others. Mask pain in various ways like anger, humor, or isolation. Express negativity or aggression in indirect and passive ways. Don't recognize the unavailability of those people to whom you are attracted. Maybe it's low self-esteem patterns, like having difficulty making decisions. Judge what you think, say, or do harshly as never good enough. Are embarrassed to receive recognition, praise, or gifts. Value others' approval of your thinking, feelings, and behavior over your own. Don't perceive yourself as lovable or worthwhile. Seek recognition and praise to overcome feeling less than. Have difficulty admitting a mistake. Need to appear to be right in the eyes of others and may even lie to look good. Are unable to identify or ask for what you need and want. Perceive yourself as superior to others. Look to others to provide your own sense of safety. Have difficulty in getting started meeting deadlines, and completing projects. Have trouble setting healthy priorities and boundaries. You might have compliance patterns. Are extremely loyal, remaining in harmful situations too long. Compromise your own values and integrity to avoid rejection or anger. Put aside your own interests in order to do what others want. Are hypervigilant regarding the feelings of others and take on those feelings. Are afraid to express your own beliefs, opinions, and feelings when they differ from those around you. Accept sexual attention when you want love. Make decisions without regard to the consequences. Give up your truth to gain the approval of others or to avoid change. Maybe you identify with control patterns. Believe people are incapable of taking care of themselves. Attempt to convince others what you think, do, or feel. Freely offer advice and direction without being asked. Become resentful when others decline your help or reject your advice. Lavish gifts and favors on those you want to influence. Use sexual attention to gain approval and acceptance. Have to feel needed in order to have a relationship with others. Demand that your needs be met by others. Use charm and charisma to convince others of your capacity to be caring and compassionate. Use blame and shame to exploit others' emotions. Refuse to cooperate, compromise, or negotiate. Adopt an attitude of indifference, helplessness, authority, or rage to manipulate outcomes. Use recovery jargon in an attempt to control the behavior of others. Pretend to agree with others to get what you want. Avoidance patterns. 
act in ways that invite others to reject, shame, or express anger toward them. Judge harshly what others think, say, or do. Avoid emotional, physical, or sexual intimacy as a way to maintain distance. Allow addictions to people, places, and things to distract you from achieving intimacy in relationships. Use indirect or evasive communication to avoid conflict or confrontation. Diminish your capacity to have healthy relationships by declining to use the tools of recovery. Suppress your feelings or needs to avoid feeling vulnerable. Pull people towards you, but when others get close, push them away. Refuse to give up your self-will to avoid surrendering to a power greater than yourself. Believe displays of emotion are a sign of weakness. Withhold expressions of appreciation. Now I'm a woman in recovery from codependency. Am I healed? Hmm. Some days, but others, it's apparent that those roots run deep. The good thing is I'm aware, and so is my husband. So together, we can gently nudge my thoughts in a new direction instead of making an issue of it. Let me give you an example of how a harmless need to control can consume your thoughts. My mother-in-law and I were attending a workshop. We arrived early and picked our seats. The room was set up with the tables making a horseshoe around the speaker and the projector. As the room started to fill up, it was apparent that there wouldn't be enough seating for everyone. We were chatting about another topic waiting for the workshop to begin, but I couldn't stay focused on what she was saying because I saw that the horseshoe setup was preventing them from adding the amount of seating they needed. Instead of seeing this, they were moving chairs out into the hallway. Ugh! My mother-in-law noticed me scanning the room, obviously looking for the person in charge so that I could take over and restructure the room. She just said, you want to take over, don't you? Snap. My attention returned to her, and I was alerted to my obsessing. I let it go, but the old me would have been moving chairs and organizing everyone. On the AnchorTherapy.org blog, I found seven ways to let go of control issues. Do you have a hard time going with the flow? Do you have to follow a schedule or routine at all times? Do you try to control other people in your life? If you're dealing with control issues, it's likely that you feel like you must exert power over your life, relationships, and general environment. In some cases, this exertion of power may extend to the life of other people. So if you're looking to overcome your control issues, you can identify your emotions. If you want to stop acting in a controlling manner, you must place what feelings are leading you to act that way in the first place. Perhaps your fear of vulnerability causes you to critique others. Maybe your abandonment fears or memories of rejection from childhood make you feel like you must control other people so they don't leave you. Or your rigid and particular routine helps you cope with stress. When you learn what feelings are connected to your controlling behavior, you'll gain insight into your emotions. Let go of what you can't control. When it comes down to it, all you have control over is yourself. You can't manage other people or your environment at all times. 
when you let go of what you can't control, your overall mental health will improve. Accept yourself and other people as they are. We are all humans at the end of the day. No one is perfect, including you. So we shouldn't set those expectations. When you hold yourself or other people to impossible standards, you'll inevitably be disappointed, which will lead to frustration. Practice stress management and relaxation techniques. When you deal with anxiety and stress on a daily basis, your daily functioning will be impacted. There are many stress management and relaxation techniques out there, so it's important to find what works for you. When you enter a state of deep relaxation, you're better equipped to deal with stressors and triggers that ignite your controlling behavior. Use a journal. Make notes about situations and or your environment that you find particularly triggering for your controlling behavior. For instance, you can ask yourself the following. Where are you? Was it a stressful setting? Were you with certain people? What behaviors did you engage in, like yelling, restrictive eating, pouting? How did you feel at the time? What was the outcome? Did you accomplish what you wanted to? How did the other person respond? How do you feel about the situation now? Challenge unhelpful thought patterns. These actions can take a toll on your mental health and your relationships with others. Catastrophizing. Holding yourself and other people to impossible standards. Engaging in negative thinking. Blaming yourself for outcomes that you have no control over. When you challenge these negative thoughts and consider replacing them with more positive ones, you can alter how you approach situations and interact better with other people. Get support from loved ones. Whenever you're going through a self-growth journey, support from loved ones is always encouraged. There's no need to go through the process alone. Family and friends are usually supportive of any type of positive growth, especially if your control issues were impacting them. You can chat with your loved ones about your journey and progress. When you surrender, you stop fighting. You stop fighting yourself. You stop resisting or pushing against reality. You may falsely believe that surrender is about inaction. Personal growth comes from working through difficult situations, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, and embracing your emotions during the process, even if they're negative. While the need for control is natural, it can often complicate our day-to-day -day life and relationships. By employing some of these tips, you can be on your way to living a happier life. And again, the disclaimer is, you do not have to identify with all of these characteristics to have codependent tendencies or, or characteristics of your own. It's just important to recognize them so that you can understand what might be preventing you from moving forward. We cannot end this show without hearing from Melody Beatty, a pioneering voice in self-help literature and the recovery movement. She is the author of many best-selling books, including The Language of Letting Go, Playing It by Heart, The Grief Club, Beyond Codependency, and The Codependent No More Workbook. 
In 2009, Newsweek named Codependent No More one of the four most essential self-help books of all time. And I definitely want to encourage you to get that book. If you're struggling with anything that we've talked about tonight, you owe it to yourself to check in. The whole section on detachment is mind-blowing and can really help you over a hump and redirect your path in a more positive way. So on Katie Couric's YouTube channel, I found Melody Beatty explaining what is codependency and how to overcome it. Let's take a listen. My new definition of codependency is people who don't love themselves as much as they love others consistently and in a way that hurts their relationships and them. So it became my, my burning desire to find answers to this problem. And five years later, I wrote the book. Originally, it was more aimed at people in chemically dependent relationships, people who had become obsessed with another person. Um, but it that's evolved because I believe we've gone deeper. We've gone deeper into ourselves. We've gone deeper into our hearts. We've gone deeper into the heart of the culture. And to me, that has transformed it, that along with cultural worldwide anxiety and trauma. <laughs> In codependency, the only real recovery rule is be still and tune in to yourself. What do you want? What do you what are you really feeling? Not what do other people want you to feel? What are you really feeling? And so that part of it, we do get to, I wouldn't say indulge ourselves, but at least pay attention to ourselves. And for many of us, that it can become very painful at first, but I think it's something that it benefits us to lean into, begin leaning into it and find what direction calls to you. Where's your hardest spot? And most people have a similar one. It's setting boundaries. The first step in the healing process is detachment. We cannot work on ourselves. We cannot do anything when we're that obsessed with another human or a situation we cannot control. We're, we're, we're out of control. And so that's a step toward getting our own mind, our psyche, our soul back in moderation. It's a process of realizing that, that number one, we cannot control anything. We can't, we have, we have zero control over other human beings. And when, when we're obsessing about someone, we're actually it's a form of trying to control them. They're trying to control a situation that we can't. We can ask ourselves, am I worrying about something that's my business? Is this my job to worry about this? Is this my job to do this? Or is this my 20-year-old son's job to do this? Is, is this my husband's job to do, to do this? We need to sort what our responsibilities are to people and then act. And it never, ever, ever ever hurts us to pause before speaking. Pause, collect our thoughts, and answer in a calm manner if it's at all possible. There's so much screaming going out there on out there now. There's so much hatred. I think it's I know it's so important to keep calm in our homes, to keep it peaceful and calm in our homes. And that's what detachment is doing. It's easing us into being comfortable with reality. Over time, I've noticed that one of the most important things I can do 
for myself and my own life and that other people can do is have their goals, to know where they want to go and to continue moving forward. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. And which way do we want to go? We create our life with words and thoughts and the things that we focus on, pay attention to, and put out there. So if we don't have any goals, we're not focusing on anything, are we? We're just kind of stumbling around like a piece of paper being blown about in the wind. But if we set our sights on something important to us, and it does need to matter to us what we're working toward, a lot greater chance we're going to get there than if we don't identify it, speak it out loud, and move toward it in our lives. Many of us emerged into adulthood with somewhat of a victim story. This always happens to me. This, this happens every single time. I can't get away from this no matter what I do. It's so important to grab deep into ourselves and pull out that victim story by the roots. Just get it out of there because as long as we're harboring it, we'll keep finding ourselves in victimizing situations. Um, it's our job. We may have been dealt some raw blows, but it's our job to deal with them and then to create our own image of ourself in our life, our own life story, to really write our own life story and, and cross out us as the victim. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, take care of your most important relationship, you. Detach with love and look inward. Identify what you want and how you feel. To give to others, you have to first give to yourself. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Somewhere through until the path was clear. That's when I found.